This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Rob Bergeron. Rob is a top performing investor friendly real estate agent based in Louisville, Kentucky, with a specialization in Airbnb, multifamily, burrs, flipping, and wholesaling. Rob has hosted quarterly investor luncheons for eight years, drawing in as many as 150 attendees to recent events, and has served on the board of the local RIA Korea for uh, four years, which uh, in you know boasts over 870 active members. He has also hosted investor meetups with industry experts such as Bigger Podcast or Bigger Pockets podcast host David Green. Andrew Schlag, and Mike uh, Butler. Rob has dedicated to helping his clients make the most out of their investments and finding off-market deals, offering a comprehensive service that covers the entire process from A to Z. If you're looking to sell your property or invest in the Louisville market, Rob is the real estate agent to turn to. Welcome, Rob. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good, good. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself? Oh, um, well, not to get like too overboard, but I am a firm believer in like everybody needs to get some type of uh, comprehensive understanding of like how ChatGPT and all this AI stuff works. Um, Cause you can either ride the wave or you can get crushed by it. And, you know, just some of the uh, utilities and uses it's, it's kind of scary, but it's really exciting. And I'd rather have it be exciting and not scary. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Not to scare you too much, but I think uh ChatGPT and other AIs are going to make a lot of the real estate agent job obsolete in the near future. I think there's a, you know, one thing that I saw is there's a company that has glasses that you're going to be able to put on and walk through any house. It's going to give you a litany of estimates. It's going to point out everything and then you're going to get a sheet. So just imagine just like that, all inspectors gone. Mm. It's crazy. I think realtors will be a little bit lower. It's going to happen. But I think it's going to be a little slower. They're like number two in like money spent by lobbyists, um, which is kind of interesting. I'm guessing like the NRA is like number one or something of that nature. Um, but no, I, 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 I'm I very confident there's always a deal out there and there's always opportunity. You just have to put yourself in a position to understand how to take advantage of it and listen to a podcast like this allows you to do that. So thanks for bringing that to the world. Yes, indeed. But in addition to being an agent, you're also an investor. And I'm curious, how did you get started in real estate investing? Believe it or not, I um, I accepted a, a job out of college where I was in charge of sales and marketing for a retirement company. And I was supposed to be in a suburb of Chicago. And then um, someone quit, got fired, whatever, and they put me in Iowa. And it was very depressing. I made friends with all these old people, uh, <laughs> wound their clocks, and then they would like pass away. Um, but it planted that seed of like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I just didn't like working for someone else. Like It was one of those corporate jobs where you just never stopped working. Um and then I did really well in it, took time off, um, lived in Florida, Ecuador, and then came to Louisville. And I chose Louisville, which I'm not from, uh, relative to Cincinnati, Dayton, because the market was a little bit stronger at the time and still is, to be honest. Nice. And uh, what was your first deal? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, I lost out on my first five deals I tried buying. Uh, one burnt down. One person uh, came up with the money, the seller, to get out of foreclosure. One, a wholesaler kind of uh, reneged on a deal. Um and then I don't remember, I think I pulled out on one based on septic. But, um, you know, my first deal ended up being an Airbnb, but really it started with just making some sacrifice on the front end to get that house hacked. Um, I bought a house that had been a rental for 10 years, brick, had a newer HVAC, newer roof, 
everything else had to be remodeled. And as a measly agent, not making a lot of money, you know, when I made money, I would just put it in the house. Hmm. Keep doing that over and over. And then um, I got a line of uh, HELOC on it. Um, and then since then, we've bought five Airbnbs and um, we're doing some other kind of cool stuff right now. Like we're looking into uh, being a part owner, we're like a, a roofing company and a part owner of a property management company. And um, I own a wholesaling network that brings in passive income and there's some new legislation with wholesalers that I'm doing some cool stuff with too. So I like to um, just have a lot of irons in the fire because everything kind of circulates between each other. And if you put out a lot of goodwill and you put yourself in a position to help people, you usually end up doing pretty well. Yeah. Multiple streams of income is a solid strategy to do, especially when you can be more passive uh, with different ones. You know, if you oh, yeah. have to physically do everything for everything, you know, you're going to do it all poorly. Oh, you you lose your mind. I kind of, yeah. um, kind of think I'm doing like five people's worth of work at very minimal time just because I've, I've got really great systems. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I could see that. I mean, I met you back in January and you have a lot of energy, I got to say. So that's, yeah, cool. that's like a recurrent theme for me. And I, I didn't used to, um, I had sleep apnea and I got that address and, you know, I was waking up every 30 seconds um, throughout the night, 79 times I could have died. Um, but uh, yeah. So since then I don't need as much sleep and now I'm able to bring that energy like all the time. So it's kind of great. Cool. So with your current portfolio of Airbnbs, are you, how active are you? Are you like totally active or totally passive or somewhere in between? I would say I'm somewhere in between. Um, so like, I like identifying the Airbnbs and getting the ideas and then like reaching out to my friends to partner with them that are more into the rehab element of things because um, I'm kind of a softy and it's not my world. So who, not how, I just found people that that's their thing. And a lot of these investors, um, like I call my friends now, um, but it's kind of like an island working by yourself. So it's kind of nice for them to have another person to have the highs with and the lows with. Um, so we usually get people to help us with the rehab. Um, I put the down payment down. Um, they build it out. And then um, currently, like, it's kind of different. Like, sometimes we'll give out to management. Sometimes uh, my fiance will manage with um, another partners of ours, wife. Um, and then another time, just the wife's managing on the other one. So, um, but at that point, it becomes passive for me. So I really just see the vision and the value in it and then bring people in to help me make, bring it to fruition. But nice. That being said, we always force appreciation. So just on the our last two Airbnbs that we're building out right now, I mean, we should have, you know, 270, 300K um, of equity force that we're going to get lines of credit on to pursue other projects, whether it be like contractor garages. Um, I'm looking into the fran getting a franchise that won't make me fat that I can barter. So I can trade my for my haircuts. Or I can trade um, for my uh, fiance get her nails done or massages or doggy daycare or whatever, um, just because it just seems like a fun thing to do. Um, but yeah, there, I, I would definitely force appreciation on everything because I think a lot of people that are tight right now, um, they just bought too high or, or something of that nature. Nice. Another guy I had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, Kent, uh, he invests in car washes as one of the things that he does. Oh my so gosh. I, he, I hate them. I think we, our city is just in, in prime locations is just getting flooded with Mike's car washes just everywhere. And they're not good. And I like, I, I've been, I've tried everything out and they all suck in my opinion. Um, but the, it's just like, you get so much depreciation on it. Like you're you know, up front, it's kind of pays for itself essentially. Uh, but it, to the chagrin, it makes everything less walkable, less interesting. Um, and I don't know, in a down economy, I don't know how many people are going to, that's going to be on a, a priority list. Uh, yeah, 
power wash on, but it really doesn't matter because they're getting so much depreciation. It's like, who cares? And the overhead so cheap, but there, I know it's good gig. It's just, you know, less fun to me. <laughs> Potentially good for bartering, but I digress here. So with your Airbnbs, what do you and your partners do to force appreciation? Well, okay. So um, we bought one recently that was commercially zoned. It was one, one. Uh, it was in the flood zone, fire damage and had squatters for a year. Um, and so we are converting that to a three, two, um, we bought it for 55. So I only put 10% down $5,500. Um, our original estimate was 90. I think we're going to be at like closer to a hundred. So we're going to be all in 155. And, um, I just comped something for one of my other clients. I sold something too. And, uh, two, two just appraised or a comp for 340,000. So I think we'll be all in, I don't know, 150 and then we'll probably, finance at 200 so we can build a cushion get furniture and then it should be worth like 350 so 150k equity there another one we bought that had been on the market for four months nobody wanted it um we bought it for 80,000 I put 8,000 down we're putting 200k in that one uh and it should appraise for about half a million and it should generate 100 to 120,000 a year uh gross um, so and ancillary benefits we'll get to have fun it'll be a special place for my family, their family, uh, it's just kind of excited. I like the ancillary benefits of things. Um, it just makes the life just a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah, indeed. So with this, uh, that first deal you mentioned, the one, one, yeah. you know, turning that into a three, two, like did it have enough pre-established space in there or are you having to build on like an, an we, build up. Or... we took it up and the other one, we converted like what would have been a garage to a bedroom. So, you know, for us, we get more return on sleeping more people. Um, and just in general, for anybody looking into Airbnb, like make sure you sleep a bunch of people because that's where the money is. That's how you say cost effective. Um, and then the smaller ones, the one, twos and threes, they're all kind of cannibalizing each other to stay booked. And it's just not something I want to get into. Like for three days for Derby on one of our properties in a B area, um, it's a five, two and a half. It's generating 14,000 in three days, which we're wow. parlaying uh, to putting up our entire wedding party in Rome for a week. Uh, nice. for, our, for our wedding yeah which is yep. a great trade-off right yes indeed <laughs> three days for uh you know a, a great memory big party yeah yeah great so you're finding more success with instead of doing the one ones you're doing like three twos or four or threes or generally like, like four and above i only have that one is my only three bedroom everything else sleeps a ton more people okay and then how are you picking areas in which to buy your airbnbs um, I target just the right type of zoning. So I don't like to deal with the permit process anymore. Um, so we just go commercially zoned and typically like something closer to downtown. I've been wanting something on the bourbon trail um, really bad. I've been wanting it for three years, but I, I go where the opportunities are. So I'm looking for that, but I won't pigeonhole myself to it. And the lake houses we really like, as long as you stay away from the um, HOAs, gated communities. Um, we just like to in insulate ourselves from future legislation and um, at that point, we welcome future legislation because if we can diminish the supply and increase the demand, you know, then our properties are worth more, have more value, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. And for our listeners who are considering becoming passive investors into Airbnb, what sure. advice would you say? What, you know, tips and tricks to make the investments more and more passive? Well, you know, I would say is be like me, target the right zoning, um, insulate yourself. Um, sleep a ton of people, force appreciation, and create an experience that you and your own family would like. 
because that's what other people are going to want. And then when you let your parents use it or your friends use it, or you donate it to a nonprofit, you know that they're going to get that great experience as well. Um, and then in regards to passive, I mean, we've got tons of management here that we like. My fiance is kind of taking people on. One of my good clients, Brett Grigsby, he's kind of taking people on for management. So, I mean, once you get it initially set up, it's, it's, it's passive. Um, but, you know, you got to remember, you know, it takes a, a minute for you to like build your schedule out and get get booking. So like you need to be able to maybe float the mortgage for like a month or two. And so we kind of bake that in when we force appreciation. We can just put 5,000 of that cash out refi and just kind of have that sitting there. Say plus no capital expenses in the interim uh, just because we, you know, kind of bulletproof the whole place. And do you use any services like AirDNA on like pricing and? and yeah, I'm a, I'm a cheapo, um, so I just go to Bigger Pockets and then I click on the Airbnb help, and then you can do like a limited amount uh, for that. But I think a lot of it is intuition. Um, like if you sleep a lot of people, like I think low, terrible to say because I can't validate it, but honestly, if you put something up, you're going to find out that you're catering to some special niche that you had no idea. Um, so like, for instance, like I always say that Louisville, or I mean, the state of Kentucky is like a two horse town. So we've got Louisville and Lexington. So everyone's coming into our areas for, for health treatment, cancer treatment, um, dialysis, whatever. So if you just happen to put something near those things, you're going to have a steady flow of people coming through and be able to give them, um, that comfortable and safe, um, space for them to like recover and feel better. Real estate is all about adding value to other people. An easy way to do that is to share this podcast with someone you know who wants to do more passive real estate investing. Also, subscribe and leave a review. Now, let's get back to the episode. For the systems, you say you're bringing on people to do the property management. So are are these people that you're hiring, like getting the calls in the night of like, oh, the toilet's broken? and Yeah, how- yeah, yeah. But uh, to be honest, uh, my fiance manages our Airbnb and it takes her 20 minutes. Um, and the only reason that's uh, per week and the only reason that's uh, feasible is if you have a really great cleaner in place, because they're the ones who are ordering your supplies when they're low. They're the ones that are telling you if you have uh, uh, repairs needed in the property. And so if you can get a great cleaner uh, that's reliable, that's half the battle. Okay. Do you want to know? I, I would like to share a tip because I'd like people to do this a little bit more often in the world because not everyone's as nice as I am. But I am like my cleaner. I had her quote the place and she said, OK, Rob, but. I can do it for um, one sixty-five. I said, okay, well, one seventy-five final offer. You know what? Like, like I it showed her that we valued her. Um, we built out our property. It's really nice. She doesn't like cleaning some of our other people, our friends' properties, because we put in more effort on the front end. So she feels like she, if we're putting out a better product, she, her product's better too. Um, and we're also like very considerate, respectful, like. If we know she's going out of town, maybe we'll book like block it out so nobody can book it. Um, we try to be very accommodating and treat people like people. Yeah, I can see that. Like uh, if you're staying at a hotel, like there's clearly a difference between a roadside motel where there's roaches and, and yeah. you, you don't want to bring a black light to it at all. But uh, versus mm-hmm. like a high end uh, hotel, you know, there's you just feel like it's just more comfortable if you can make it that mm-hmm. you know a higher level. Yeah, and one thing that we're doing that's kind of neat. Uh, Louisville just got this, um, uh, our, uh, Bashir, our, our um, governor, uh, kind of signed some tax um, benefits for people to bring uh, movies and TV shows to Kentucky. So we're filming 40 movies. So we're trying to get our Airbnbs to be used for movies. 
so we can advertise as seen on that movie to create for some appreciation without having to do really any work. Wow. How do you get uh, movies to use well, your places? Well, my fiance sets? and I, um, you know, we, we, I, I know we're friends on social, but like we try to really squeeze life out of life. So we, we always do stuff. We're always moving. Like, I know I'm not going to remember sitting on my phone texting. It's not going to be what I think about on my deathbed, but we um, were extras on this movie called Wildcat that Ethan Hawke filmed and his daughter's in and whatever. I ended up getting a scene in the movie, which it was pretty cool. And it, it's not out yet and it should be like on the circuit. So it might win one of those big awards or whatever, but it was just a really cool experience. Um, so we like it had wardrobe and everything. And so we just became friends with the producer's wife and um, we're hoping to leverage that to help serve them because not only do we have Airbnbs, but my friends have Airbnbs, my friends own businesses. Like we can really serve everyone at a high level by connecting those people. And uh, I, I kind of like doing that with my clients anyway, just try to provide as much ancillary value as possible. I, I read all the news. My friends know everything going on. Um, it's just something I enjoy doing. And I think work doesn't have to suck. So if you do things you like, uh, I, I told my fiance that I didn't want there to be any separation between uh, work and play this year. Um, and so far we're doing pretty well. Great. So, uh, you know, I, I've looked a lot into Airbnbs as well. I, I haven't pulled the trigger on on sure. doing it, uh, but I have heard that, uh, you know, there's little things that you can do to make it more efficient to operate. Like you can have you know, Wi-Fi enabled locks that automatically change to the guest's last four digits of their number as the code to be able to get in and well, like auto responses, auto responses, <laughs> uh, you know, in, you know, somebody, you know, types you a message on Airbnb and then it auto responds based on what they say, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's not difficult. I, I'm, I wouldn't call myself the sharpest tool in the shed, but, um, really it's just creating that great experience. One thing that we've done is we just we spend a little bit more money on the front end. So like we'll put ping pong outside um, so they can play beer pong and we don't dirty up our house and then we don't light it. So that way they stop playing uh, when it gets dark. We do the fire pits. We do pop a shot. Um, all of our TVs are huge, compatible with video game systems, 4K, whatever. So we really try to make our experience great, even if they don't go anywhere else. But we also like like I said, we like to live. So we let all of our, our people know like, hey, this cool thing's going on this weekend. If you have a minute to pop out to it, these are the best bourbon tours we've enjoyed. Um, hey, go see this guy and drop our name and that they'll make sure you have a good time at this place or whatever. Um, and we 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 found that it makes their experience a little bit more memorable um, and it brings them back because they want to come back for the best cookies that they might have not experienced had we not turned them on to it. And what kind of returns are you finding off your you know, investments with these? Uh, sure. So we only have two up and running. We have three being built out. Um, but the first one grossed 80,000 in the first year and our debt service um, and utilities and everything was 26K. Um, Derby really helps uh, those numbers. Beyonce's coming in town. So we'll make a killing on Beyonce. The PGA is coming in town. So we, and I read the news all the time. So it's really easy to stay up on stuff. Um, but yeah, no, the... Uh, I blanked. What did you just ask? So sorry. So I, I side question. So you, you're adjusting your prices based on the news of like, you know, so you see when Beyonce is coming. So then for yep. those dates, you're increasing the price. We could do better. We could do better, but we do. And, um, uh, you know, we want people to have a great time and we're not trying to get rich off of anyone. It's just trying to have steady bookings. Mm -hmm. um, and we also do a two night minimum. Um, so that way we don't get locals just trying to throw a party. 
Um, and we're, we have a noise aware system. So we're aware of if something's too loud inside or outside, uh, we try to be really respectful of the neighbors. Sure. Uh, they don't always feel that way, but we do try to do that way. I mean, there's no pleasing everyone. And then uh, back to my other question, the returns. So like what uh, sort of cash on cash or ROI are you getting off these? Uh, I don't really know. I, I'm not a linear thinker like you, perhaps. I think we netted like 46K or something last year um, on the first one. And the other one, we've only had up, I want to say, two months. And I think we're well over 30 bookings. This one's cool. We have an infestation in this one. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. We have we have anteaters <laughs> that have like, and, and they, apparently if they bite you, you can get leprosy. Um, yeah. So we put up a you know, I, I sent uh, my partner's uh, statue of an anteater to get and put it in the house. Not armadillo, sorry, not anteaters. Oh, that's a weird okay. one. Um, I was going to say, yeah, if yeah. having a bunch of anteaters around, that's uh, that's very strange. So on that one, we bought it for one forty nine five. Um, we put forty thousand in and appraised for two hundred and seventy. We closed off two rooms to create two extra bedrooms. Um, converted the garage into living space, heating, cooling. Um, and so it sleeps like eighteen people now. And we actually bought it from the bass player of Steppenwolf. Who sings uh, "Born to Be Wild"? So it's kind of neat. And we actually um, were dancing to this band called the Red Clay Strays at our wedding, and um, we went to their show and we made friends with them. And we, we put them up in the Airbnb for free, and it's just kind of cool. The only the reason we're doing all this is I read in Dave Grohl's biography that someone did that for him, and I wanted to be able to do that for others. Um, so it's been a uh, it's opened a lot of doors that we would have never expected. Cool. And then, so you uh, united 46K or so off of this first Airbnb, yeah. and what did you put into it? Well, that one's a trickier one. I mean, we bought it for 275 We got 14K at closing. We got my commission. Um, we did, had to do some plumbing. We put new flooring, paint, some new hardware. I think I'm probably, I, we're all in 310 on that one, and it grossed 80 in the first year. So we got all of our money back in, out. Um uh, and then this year, you know, we went from 10,000 in Derby last year to 14K for this year. Um, so we had, which we call Christmas here in Louisville because everybody rents their house out for Airbnb. It's very yeah. lucrative. Um, and they actually can't change laws because everyone does this. So they allow you to rent out your house for 14 days, um, you know, with no, uh, you don't have to pay any taxes on it, which is kind of cool too. Cool. And how are you finding your Airbnb deals? Well... I don't really like to talk about it, but I have some special tools that I, I help my clients with. If anybody needs it, you just have to reach out. Um, but I have an eye for this stuff and my clients really usually do really well on these things. Uh, but I'd be happy to talk to anybody about it. I just don't want to publicly tell everybody what I'm doing. That's fair. That's fair. After we stop recording, I'll ask you. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> get some yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, are you ready for a speed round? Yeah, yeah, please. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? Um, even on the days when I have like shitty days or like no one needs me and I feel like, like, wow, what am I doing on this earth? Like, I know that my life's just, my future life's just getting a little bit better because, you know, like I said, we're building out three Airbnbs. So soon we'll have five Airbnbs generating cash flow for us on top of all the other things we're building out. And so I just kind of think if we just keep stacking and stacking and doing this, like I'm going to be able to create a really special life for my family and my friends. And, um, teach them how to do the same thing. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, like it's hard to get your friends to buy in sometimes. So I can only lead by example. And some friends have fallen in line and they're interested and they want to partner and they want to do these deals. And other people, maybe they just haven't seen enough evidence, but, you know, I look forward to showing it to them. Um, but yeah, yeah. And what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? 
Oh, well, I hope this doesn't come off arrogant, uh, but it essentially for me, it became, um, you know, my issue wasn't about making money. It became about keeping my money in my pocket from Uncle Sam. So um, getting involved with our local RIA and, you know, reading the right books and listening to the right podcasts and all these things, um, I, I was able to get more and found the right CPA. Um, I was able to get more in tune um, with how to keep my money, my money. Um, and so that was like really um, important. Like this is the first year I get to take depreciation on all my assets, which is like incredible. And um, this is kind of sneaky, awesome, or it's stupid. We'll find out. But right now, sneaky, awesome. Um, uh, my bank. Okay. So my attorney, one of my attorneys owns my bank and he owns my uh, CPA firm. Um, so save me as much money on taxes as possible but give me as much access to money as possible, but also cover me legally. And it just seemed like a perfect union. Um, and so, so far it's going really, really great. And underwriting has become so much more simple and they just changed the rules in Kentucky. Um, you don't have to file K-1s anymore. You can go directly um, to the LLC and now we get more tax benefits. Um, and that just happened last week. I blasted out and emailed all my clients and my attorney friends and everybody. It's like, guys, check this out. And then I didn't know how to articulate the benefits very well. So of course I go to my good friend, Chad GBT and ask it, why is this important? And then it tells me it's just, it's really cool. Make sure you guys are messing around with that stuff. Cool. What's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Um, well, I'm going to give you two. The Go-Giver is probably like how I built my business. Uh, it's just really just help people don't expect things in return. And then ultimately I've never missed a meal. I got that line from my attorney and I got a lot of this from my attorney that I look up to and consider a mentor in my life. Um, but the go uh, the power of moments, um, it can help you in real life, like, like business, but it'll help you in your personal life, your relationships, whatever. And it's about, you know, we live our life in a lot of plateaus and then we have some peaks, like my wedding will be a peak, but just a Tuesday morning at home is going to be whatever. But how can you make those moments just a little bit more special, a little bit more interesting um, to um, curate a wonderful experience and have a more memorable life. So the power of moments, uh, you probably just read the first five chapters and you'll get the gist of it. But uh, uh, people always ask like, you know, what is it that makes everything we do so special? And it's really, we try to make things special. So. Nice. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on or to potentially do some business with you? Sure. Well, um, I'm trying to talk more on Twitter because I think that's a platform that I enjoy like engaging with people on. Um, so you can find me at Robert Bergeron, B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N. Um, but you can email me, Rob, at ROI Louisville. I've got a link on my bio or whatever um, that you can schedule a time to talk if you have questions about anything. So you can check that out. Matt, Matt will probably post that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I love talking about this stuff. I'm an addict and I, I work with some very incredible people. So I get to learn from those people to better serve you. So it's really great. Excellent. And is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Um, no. Can I give people homework? Sure. Okay, guys. Uh, I, I've touched on it a few times about ChatGPT, um, but I really think we need to get better at ingratiating it and using it in our real life. So I, um, in, in a non-superficial way, I recommend everyone play with it in the morning and send out an email or a text of gratitude to um, your friends, your family, your colleagues, or your clients, and input it into the um, chat GPT and say, hey, I'd like to uh, write a message um, to my sister. And I really want to thank her for looking after me as a child and like just being a great presence and a positive person in my life. 
and um, I really hope things are going well, blah, blah, blah. And then it's going to input something. I might add a few things or add a joke about this or that, and then copy and paste it, send it as a text. It's not disingenuine. It, you're saying what you want to do, but it's a way for you to put out some goodwill to the world, but also um, get more familiar with how to use it in your life. So I, that would be my homework. I've given this homework to a bunch of people and only two or three people have taken me up on it. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Rob. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.